Yeah. I'll let you know if I say something scandalous that I don't want the public to know. <laughs> I'll give you a heads up. Um, but I mean, just as an example, what would you want someone to not know? What would I want someone to not know? Yeah. Are you recording right now? Yeah, I hope. No. Okay. Hmm. Then I'm a furry. <laughs> okay, I was recording. <laughs> good, good, good. I'm not a furry. <laughs> That's a lie. <laughs> Like if you don't go to the gym, I'm not even gonna swipe on you. And it's like, right? Okay. I mean, that's the that's, that's fun sucking your own dick at the gym. Like. <laughs> With sex toys, intent is key. Don't you fucking get what the god particle is, you dumb motherfucker? <laughs> yeah, I'd love to bust your bubble. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's like scientifically proven that males' deep voice is more attractive. Uh oh. <laughs> well, I mean, there's nothing you can do. <laughs> you murder them. And eat their goddamn corpses. Is that necessarily true? This is a funny thing. I saw what TJ got picked to do this, and I said, I am a thousand times better than TJ. Like, <laughs> okay, uh, welcome back to We Are the Strange. Uh, this is a podcast uh, where we remain semi anonymous, except for this one. It's not going to really matter for my guest today because he doesn't have any dirty uh, secrets as far as uh, I know. He Do most did. people that you interview have dirty secrets? Uh, I mean, we might, we're all comics for the most part, so I'm yeah. worried we're going to say something. And we get especially, like, some of the stuff we see on stage is already bad. Yeah. And then when it's just us alone, it gets real bad. So. I feel kind of um, bad that I, you know, don't have anything. Super scandalous that I need to hide from. <laughs> don't, yeah, don't, I feel don't, left out. Don't feel bad for having a, a regular life mm. with no problems. Mm. <laughs> no, no, no problems. Oh, there's plenty of problems. With like regular people problems. Yeah, well, sort of. Yeah. yeah? Oh, maybe we'll touch on that. Whatever you want. Uh, my guest today uh, is, this is the very first time is a non-comic guest. Wow. Uh, my guest today is a director and a co-owner uh, of a studio called Motion Source. Um, I've worked with him a bunch of times over the past years on uh, different projects. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name is Craig Bass. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good entrance. That's a good entrance. Uh, what is what is uh, Bass? Is a, I never asked you before, but what yeah. is what is that like a nationality? What does that hail from? I'm just generic white. Do you not know what your national is? You've never taken a 23? No, I thought about doing it, but I just think it'll be a disappointment in terms of the most standard Caucasian Like, you're going to get like, oh, it turns out I'm 70% mayonnaise. Yeah, basically. (laughs) (laughs) That would be thrilling uh, because I think it's really just like Scottish, Irish, English, German. Right. The most standard Western European. That's not a bad thing, unless you hate white people. If I hate white people? Yeah. No. No, you don't? No. Not a self-hating? That's not... Can you bleep that out? Uh, <laughs> I can, but I'm no. not. Uh, <laughs> uh, you and I have known each other for, I don't know, like four or five years? About, about four years. Yeah, probably. four years yeah. right now. Um, obviously, we didn't start working together immediately, but I think it was like right after that. Pretty much. There's really two ways I feel like I meet people now. Maybe three, but two. Well, I'll count work, uh, you know, my day job, which is... As you said, I co-own a studio, and that's really like corporate, commercial, uh, and nonprofit fundraising videos, you know, and that kind of pays the bills. And that's what you do for a living. That's what I do for a living. And you're the first person I've talked to that is in a career they want to be in. (laughs) That's arguable. (laughs) Because I really, I mean, ideally, I would like to do stuff like what we did for Rote. I would like to be doing music videos. I'd like to be doing narrative content. Yeah. Yeah. And in an ideal world, I would be doing stuff like the music video we did together. Yeah, but at least you still work in a field that you enjoy. You don't yeah, necessarily I mean, get to produce. Like, I work in a field that's just, like, moving boxes. Well, I know, and I feel bad because I complain about my job all the time. Right. In that, you know, I'm bored, I'm not fulfilled, I want to be doing either narrative work or music videos or uh, whatever I want to be doing. I'm doing a lot of writing the last year more than anything. Right, you're also, I would also consider you a writer, right? I appreciate that because yeah, everybody just says, uh, everybody just says filmmaker. But, and I, I have a note on that, too, that's something I haven't told you about, but, uh, Mm, scandal. No, it's not scandal. It's not. But we, uh, yeah. So I don't know where we're going with that. But yeah. So I'm in. I'm in my field. Right. You know. And I. And it's. It's. That's nice. But uh, you know, a lot of the work that we do do isn't necessarily. It's not why I started doing this. Right. Uh, that being said, there's a lot of clients I work with that I think are awesome, and there's projects that are really fun, and at least everything you do makes you better. 
right. or you learn it's something. working towards something. Right. It's working towards something. But ideally, in my ideal world, I would just be doing... In my ideal world, I would just be a pure artist. This would be like Renaissance Italy. I'd have two <laughs> patrons that just floated me money to make art. Right. You know, enough to live on or do whatever. And that would be... That would be the ideal situation for me. So, but it would be it wouldn't be necessarily just strictly music videos. No, 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 no. Not definitely not anymore. I think around that time, yeah, when we did that project together, that was yeah we top did, of my list. We did a lot of music videos following that. I think in a year we did six videos, eight videos, something like that. Yeah, that was insane. Yeah, it was fun though. Yeah, it was insane. We were busy constantly. Now, how, how did you get into <clears throat> this in, in general? This is one of the reasons I want... I, my Andy Richter today was supposed to be Tyler. Yeah. He has a film background. He, he sure. went to film school uh, Columbia, and he said one of the main things he regretted was that he didn't really do anything with it. Did you actually go to film school? No. You know that, right? Did you not know that? I did know that. That's oh, Okay, you're just trying to get that. Right. Part of the story out. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, no, I didn't go to film school. I didn't uh, have the money. I didn't have um, the focus mm-hmm. when it would be time to go to school, yeah. which I also think it's insane to tell an 18-year-old, like, figure out what you want to do with your life and single-mindedly pursue it in a scholastic context. Yeah, when you're so young. Right. Even, yeah. I mean, people don't know what they want to do when they're 30 or they change their mind. Right. You know, and I don't know that our society certainly isn't, perhaps the world isn't set up to cater to, you know, people just following their fancies, unfortunately. Right. Uh, but yeah, I didn't go to film school. I started really when I was probably seven or eight, started making, you know, just like the same old story, making movies with like... The home video camera. I'm 30, almost 38, so that was like VHS, huge camera, the VHS tape in it. And you, ever see, you ever see that cartoon home movies? No. It's, it's about like young kids making uh, yeah. little Is it films. a Comedy Central it's, thing? It's, no, it's a, it was on Cartoon Network. Oh, yeah, most of that stuff is... If it's not anime and it's animated, like <laughs> Western animation always misses the mark for me. It's yeah, always, it, how ugly can we make things? Yeah. Simpsons, was, uh, South Park... That one would jive you nuts because the animation in the beginning is real shaky and shoddy. Yeah. It was more based on the writing itself that was really good. Yeah, but, but even then. But it's so crazy that you started so young because you, you make it sound like, oh, yeah, it's just like everybody else making movies or making but it, short well, films th- at yeah. seven or eight. And like People don't. I don't know <laughs> if I'd call them short films. I was just experimenting. So, I mean, things that I remember were like I'd take the camera and I'd put like a, a Sega Genesis game on and film the cinema screens. Yeah. And this would be where the movie are. We had a player piano because I grew up in a very strange house. Like a haunted uh, house? Because <laughs> that's the only place I've it, ever seen a player piano. Many people <laughs> theorize that it was haunted. Thankfully, I never had any weird haunted experiences, but it was a strange house. We'd have like uh, life-size marble bulldogs. We right. had a mannequin that was in a negligee sitting in our basement at all times named Gloria. Uh, my grand- haunted. That's a haunted house. It felt like it. Yeah. It was creepy growing up there. My grandparents are strange people, and but we had to play a piano anyway. So I would like put the cat on the piano, one of our cats, yeah. and I'd st- set it playing, and I would film it, and I'd be like a news broadcast, you know, the world's first piano playing cat ever. <laughs> and then I had like a dancing dinosaur, and I would film him, and it was just random shit. I think that, that just that cat one probably would have gone viral if YouTube existed during that time. <laughs> it would have. I want to find those. I don't know if I have them. But so then I graduated from that to my, uh, probably like a year or two later, my best friends. I was best friends with these uh, three Chinese boys, brothers. Oh, good. I usually have to ask what race people are, but you No, I want to make sure that I get that... <laughs> <laughs> this is how I became honorarily Chinese, but that's another <laughs> story. Uh, and I found out something interesting. So, uh, that's another story, though. Um, maybe we can return to that. Yeah. It's kind of funny. But, yeah, so that they were they was three best friends, two twins that were a year younger than me and one kid that was my age. And we every weekend I would pretty much sleep over there, and I'd come up with some random oh, idea, oh. like... That's me. Oh, I thought you farted. That's just your phone, baby. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, we can do that on the show. Yeah, you can cool. fart on the show if you want. Right, I'll just cool. auto-tune it. Well, so I don't it like good. holding it, you know. So. No. <laughs> the, uh, but yeah, so me and the three brothers, we would, I would just come up with whatever. Usually kung fu movies, because I love kung fu movies, I always have. Or comedies. I had a, a sketch series I called Saturday Live, because we'd film... Yeah, which day. is a play on the popular show Saturday Night I Live. never thought about that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it was either sketch comedy or uh, it would be kung fu. Okay. And I would just c- come up with an idea. We'd shoot it that day. Their dad would film it. No editing. 
Obviously, this you film just had to be turn, adjusted. Turn, turn, turn it, it off. off. Turn it back on when you wanted to get exactly. the scene. And to score it, I would usually turn the Super Nintendo on. I most of the films were scored to Street Fighter too, and I would just go to like the character select screen or one of the matches, pause it, and just let the music play Isn't live. It, <laughs> it was scored live by the Super Nintendo. Isn't it crazy the the hoops you had to go through initially yeah. compared to what you're able to work with now? Like you right. have access to a full studio with full gear. Yeah. And before you had to just like turn things on and off in the background. And I you kind of miss that though because it's like this, this, the the discovery. And the enterprising spirit of, you know, just yeah. picking up a camera and not knowing any rules. Right. I don't know. Like, you never officially, uh, you never took guitar lessons, did you? No, I didn't know. So a lot of when you started playing was probably fucking around and experimenting. Right, yeah. And there's a sense of discovery of that you don't get when you actually learn the rules. I think it's important to learn the rules, but when you're young and you just kind of go head first into yeah. something like this. But for me, it was less interesting than that. For me, I just didn't know that you had to press down on the strength. What? <laughs> when I first started playing, what I was like, it's do? not doing... I was just, like, holding it and yeah. then pushing it with my hand, and I was like, why isn't doing the same thing you're doing? Oh, that's sad. And she was like, you got to hold the buttons down. I was like, oh. The buttons? Yeah, that's what, what the frets. Were you playing, like, rock band? Yeah. This is a real... <laughs> yeah. It's a uh, real guitar. I might as well have, because I had this the same amount of experience and know-how. Um, but that's crazy. So after that, you moved on from uh, making films with your friends. Yeah. So, and then nothing. So then I, uh, that's right when I started, like became a preteen was when that ended. And then my life took a massive <clears throat> downturn. Right. You know, my family was very dysfunctional and uh, that dysfunction dominated my life from, you know, as early as I could recognize that something was wrong all the way until I was probably 19 or 20. Right, and that's fair, right? I suppose so. I mean, it's, it's, it's so, to take a I break mean, from stuff. Yeah, was... but it, it's like I never even graduated high school. You know, I yeah. was so troubled um, and so miserable all the time that it's like I didn't go to school, so many problems with the family, you know, finally got my GED at some point, and then... Did you drop out of high school? Yeah, I dropped out of high school. I that's what that. I'm saying. I never graduated high school. I was going to go back as a second year senior and I'm like, I can't do this. You know, it, it just, uh, I was so insecure about the idea of, of that. I still have nightmares about that. The wow. idea of having to like, I'm 38 and I'm trying to complete high school. It's like some <laughs> warped 21 jump street type of thing. Right. So I didn't graduate high school. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, and I started to get interested in music and stuff, particularly because I think music really speaks to tortured souls, yeah. you know? And I started to learn how to play guitar, and I would write lyrics. And my dream was to actually be a musician and express all these feelings I had. And I focused a lot on that for a long time. It was never any good. Well, it sounds like pretty much your your background story is typical of <clears throat> artists. I suppose so. <laughs> right? I mean, it depends on the type. But, yeah, it's uh, it was a, a long, hard road. And then I was pretty messed up until I was, I would say at about 26, I got my shit together. 26? Yeah. What do you mean by that? Was that when you started going back to uh, film? Yeah. Well, actually, I was probably a little bit younger, probably like 24 when I started going back to it. But I'd say between like 12 and 24 was just a very rough that's a period. Long, that's a long time. It was, and I carry a lot of scars from that. You <laughs> it know, starts I mean? at 12. <laughs> yeah. No, it was, it was a long, shitty run. Right. Uh, and it encompassed all your teens. Teens and early 20s, right. you know. And people always have these great stories about their 21st birthday. Yeah. Like Lydia, who we've mentioned, who's my girlfriend, her sister was telling her story about her 21st birthday, which was uh, kind of a disaster because they fed her shots. And, like, before anyone got there, she was already being carried out of this club or whatever. But right, yeah. That's she typical. had a story, you know. I was 21. I remember my 21st birthday being uh, alone. Really? You know, and just miserable for whatever. I don't even know what was going on. It was very, very emo. Yeah. Ironically, my 21st with, with your girlfriend. Oh, well, there <laughs> you she, go. She's Doing what? One, when she, you say with your one, girlfriend. She, uh, she okay. took me out. She took me out. Mm. And then I ended up carrying someone else that night, I think. I think one of the older women we were with got way drunker mm. than I did, and then I had to carry her up the stairs. Well, I think a lot of your uh, mode of existence in your younger years, and possibly still now, yeah. was kind of how I was back then. Right. But also carrying a lot of emotional baggage. Right, but you don't drink anymore. I don't drink anymore. No. Yeah, not at all. No, there was a lot of addiction in my family. I never had an issue. I mean, I'm addicted to LaCroix. 
and, and that's worse. Just do math, yeah. man. Just do math. And I'm very no, because I understand. No, terrible. I understand meth. I do. I more no. than Lacroix. It'll kill you. It, yeah, Lacroix but, will set you but free. that's no. That's why. Well, the fact that meth will kill you makes me want to do it more. Because if you think about it, everyone knows that meth is bad for you, right? Yeah. And it's common knowledge, and yet people still do it anyway. Okay. I think the connotation with drugs right there is the only reason it stops people that don't. But say you ha- you heard of a steak that was so good, it yeah. would ruin your life. I don't eat meat, though. So. If you had a carrot. Sure. If you heard of a carrot. I do enjoy carrots. <laughs> that was so good, it would ruin your life. Yeah. Wouldn't you be like, I don't know, maybe have a bite? <laughs> is that the like looking behind the curtain thing? You know, but it's the temptations there, so you want to try it because you right. know it's just so extreme. You really just want to give it a shot, right? But also, it's like really like if you break meth down to what it is, basically, it's just chemicals. <laughs> it has a bad connotation to it because it's a drug. Yeah, and everyone. And I'm has, very anti-drug. Right, you, know, you are. You know this. Yeah, so. you are. Um, so that's why I'm using carrot as an example. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I've seen you eat a carrot before. That's uh, true. So if you had a, or you've had a new flavor of LaCroix that was so good, yeah. it will ruin your life. Wouldn't you like be the least bit curious? I'd be curious, but once you say the consequences ruining your life, I think. Yeah, but wouldn't you be also a little skeptical? Well, if I was, well, if I was 20, yes, I'm in 100%. I think now the older I get. Uh, the more nervous I become about life itself, you know what I mean? Right. I'd be less apt to do it now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't have a, I do have an addictive personality, I guess, but I think it expresses itself in obsessiveness. And right. that's part of, sometimes that's part of being an artist, I think, or, and right. really like succeeding. I mean, you're this, when you got into comedy, right? I remember when you told you, me, oh, I'm going to do an open mic. You knew I don't want to When I was just a musician. Strictly. I knew you before, yeah. And you, I, oh, you know, I'm going to do this open mic. I'm terrified to do it. You know, Tony or whoever's egging me on. And yeah. I'm just going to give it a shot. And you had stuff going on in your life you just wanted to kind of explore it. Right. Uh, and put yourself out there. And then it was like, but it's the same level of obsessiveness. Because after, after that first open mic, it's like your life just very quickly snowballed into centering around yeah. that community. <laughs> yeah, it still does, yeah. Exactly. Ever since then, that was almost two years ago. Right, started. and I'm the same way. And there's something, I think, akin to addictiveness in that obsessive right. nature. It just expresses itself in different ways. But, yeah, so... But, okay, so then I got older, and... Yeah, so you started getting back into it around 24, you said? Probably. Yeah. Again, my memory is terrible, but I think around 24... I realized this has always been something I wanted to do. Yeah. And the problem was I knew no one that did it. I didn't have, I couldn't go to film school. I didn't have any money to go to film school. Right. Uh, I wasn't around any film, filmic artists at all. So I was thinking, well, how can I do this? And I remember I saw two films in a very short period of time that basically set the trajectory for my career. I'm going to guess that. Pootie Tang? Yes. And uh, Austin Powers 3? No. No, Pootie Tang's dead on. No. It was Pootie Tang and Pootie Tang. It was that <laughs> that formative. <laughs> no, there was two films I saw, and neither of them I really care about anymore. But uh, one of them was this documentary called "Capturing the Freedmen's," and it was really interesting. It was really at that time well-respected film. And it was basically about a. Uh, these filmmakers went out and they're going to do a short documentary on New York City birthday clowns, performers, children's performers. Terrifying, aren't you scared of clowns? Or is that just Lydia? I mean, I think just to the normal amount that everyone's scared of clowns, I'm scared of clowns. <laughs> the normal <Yeah>. amount. <laughs> the normal amount. Uh, but anyway, so this, so they're going to do this birthday clown documentary, and they realized one of their subjects was just really angry all the time, and just really intense personality. So they started... There was an angry clown. There was a very angry clown. It's a good combination. So they started to dig in, you know, go under the face paint, or whatever, however, you know, you want to say, you're, you're and learn about this, this guy. In a not scary light. It sounds <laughs> they, scarier well, and scarier. Well, here's... And it gets scarier. So they wanted to learn about this guy and what was going on, and it turns he has... He harbors all this anger and resentment, because his dad was accused of uh, sexually abusing all these kids in his neighborhood when he was younger. His dad was like an after-school computer teacher, and he got accused of molesting all these kids. He ends up going to jail. He ends up killing himself in jail. The kids, fam- the, the family gets ripped apart, and this guy's still harboring, uh, you know, these these intense negative feelings yeah. because of that experience. Which, which honestly so, seems fair. It's fair. So <laughs> the documentary was about that, you know, and it started out being about birthday clowns and this guy and it, and they and it was going to be a short and they found their path to a, a feature a, a, a much larger story yeah and a much more significant story with just that one scary clown just that one scary clown mm-hmm. his family you know it became about his family but 
that I was never that interested in documentaries, but I saw that and I was like, this is a really powerful film. Uh, and then at the, almost the same time I saw this, I was, I had gone to college for a little bit of community college and I took any film class they had, which was about two. It was like masterpieces of world cinema and Woody Allen. And I didn't even, didn't even like Woody Ugh, Allen. Yeah. Right. But I took the class and there's a, there's a film that Woody Allen does, uh, called Crimes and Misdemeanors where in the film, he is a documentary filmmaker and he's making a documentary about a philosophy professor at a college Turns out at the same time, I had a philosophy professor that I thought was pretty fascinating. He was yeah. like a, he was, he was originally from Germany. He moved to like Morocco and sold goods on U.S. Army bases and became an actor and did all this crazy stuff. So I thought, okay, this is a really interesting subject. I'm, I've discovered the power of documentary through capturing the Freedmans, and I've basically stolen the plot of a Woody Allen film to be my, the next step in my life, which is make a documentary about a high school or a college philosophy professor that seems like a super interesting dude. So <clears throat> that was the next step. Uh, I'm like, okay, I could do that. It's a documentary. You don't need anything, right? You don't need any career. You get a camera, you get a microphone, you make a documentary. Right. So that's I was very said. ignorant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that was... Well, at least you know it. I know it. Yeah. So I got a, di a digital video camera uh, and I got a computer. I had a computer so I could do some editing. And I got a microphone. And that was uh, my first big failure, realizing that you, you need to know a little bit more than nothing about what you're doing. Yeah, and it helps fair. to have some support. And I knew nobody. I didn't even know how to use the camera. And I was afraid of cameras. Where did I, you get the camera from? I bought it. Bought I had it. some money. And you know, I was working at a, like a specialty DVD store, assistant managing or something. And... I had some money and I bought it and uh, I didn't even know how to use it. I was terrified of cameras because I feel like you could really fuck it up. It's like I'm terrified of instruments. Right. One false move and you, you fuck the whole, right. the whole edifice. You don't know what up. part is fragile and what parts can handle like, right. kind of right. physical load. Plus, I had no idea what I was doing with it. Right. So it turns out that the philosopher's 19-year-old son... Uh, had an interest in film. His older brother followed fish around and document. I hate fish, man. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. The, food, the band, the, the jam yeah. band, the jam and hate them. But his his older brother was like this crazed stoner that lived on a farm and would follow fish around and document their tours. Yeah. I have no idea how he even made money because I I think he some of his footage got on one fish DVD or something. But the younger brother looked up to this older brother, and he was nineteen. He knew how to use a camera, so I said, "Okay, yeah. you're my camera guy." And that was a really weird sort of incestuous in a non-sexual way uh, situation where his father's the subject. He's the lead cameraman. Yeah. I'm trying to direct. I know basically nothing about cameras. So he, the kid's just kind of doing what he wants. And he's a 19-year-old stoner. So he's kind of out there. Uh, hold on. I'm hanging on to you saying incestuous <laughs> in a non-sexual way, right? Yeah, because yeah. if it was non-sexual, you're just so you're just family. Yeah, just, that's basically <laughs> what I'm saying. I, it was it was being in this one sort of strange kind right. of hippie right. philosophy family. But it was weird in the sense that most of your crew was a fan was related to. Well, I only family. had one crew, and it was this 19 year old kid, oh, you know? okay. and I was like 21, 22. Yeah, and it was just not a great situation. We it was interesting. I ended up going to Italy for a week with them because the dad was um, doing a meaning of life, mm. uh, what do you want to call it, like retreat, where you go to this spa in Italy and he would just, you, you know, walk around and talk about the meaning of life philosophically. Ew, no. It was mainly a lot of like... It's just uh, like masturbatory. It was strange. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that happened on that journey was I, I lost sight a bit of the project because there was a girl... That was on the, um, that was part of this. She was actually a, a refugee from Kosovo because there was this whole thing going on in Eastern Europe at the time, and we developed an interest in each other. And then, like right away, that was my weakness. Women, you know, like yeah. right away, I'm like, no, I'm, yeah, turn the camera on, shoot whatever you want, you know, I'm gonna go see her, I'm gonna go hang out with her, I'm gonna go do that's this. A, thing. That's a twenty one. Uh, probably yeah. 20, yeah, but you okay? So that's not really right away then. I think most guys have an interest in women like immediately. No, like, no, no, no. <laughs> I had, a, a, I had a, a, a long-standing interest. What I'm saying is when I met her right okay. away, 
right away I put the camera down and just told It sounded them. like, because it sounded, by the way, you yeah. were phrasing. It was no, like, I had at 21, no, I was yeah. like, oh, girls? No interest in women or <laughs> anything until... No, I was a very strong interest in girls at that time, and I met this girl, and she... She was a refugee. She was a refugee from Kosovo, so she was really That intriguing. sounds like a song. You could... Well, you're the musician, <laughs> so you do what you will yeah. with it. But that was really intriguing to me, because it was, uh, you know, something totally different. A, pers- a, a type of person I'd never met, who had experiences I'd never... Yeah, it's not every day you meet a refugee. Right, so we kind of had a little fling. And uh, that kind of sidetracked some of my work there. And then I ended up, you know, we did stuff locally for the doc too, interviews and stuff. But there was, there was never like a structure or a story or any point to it. Right. I, I, st- I, I was under this like uh, delusion that, you know, documentary is just turn the camera on, you get, you document reality. Yeah. And that's emphatically not what. No, I think most documentaries is. have some kind of weird narrative that they're trying to draw. There's definitely a lot of planning. Right. You know, so then, so I did that. That was strange, uh, and it didn't work out. You know, it just I could see it kind of falling apart. Yeah. And we went to Arizona to a conference on con- consciousness, literally consciousness. Like you're not being awake, but your experience of life as a conscious being. It sounds like hippy dippy bullshit. Well, some of it was, but I met. <laughs> there's actually I met some super intriguing. There's a linguist from Harvard, Steven Pinker, who's who's very well respected. Uh, yeah. He's actually I think a psychologist by trade. But uh, he was fascinating, and I got to, to talk to him a bit. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of philosophers there. There's a lot of anesthesiologists there. That's because, weird. well, it is, but it's like anesthesia taps into that. It robs you of consciousness. So they, these guys are really interested in the phenomenon of what does it mean to be a conscious being, to be, you know, something that experiences the world. Right. Has certain, like, a quality to your experience. It was weird. It was weird. Yeah. But it was interesting. There were people there that would talk about, like, you know, plants communicating and how they could communicate and, you know. It was like borderline occult. Th- it was, but they would show scans and stuff that showed. Um, oh, this was a cult with paperwork? Yeah, with paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> so it was weird. And then what was weirder was we ended up at this party. We're in Tucson, Arizona. We end up in this party in, like, the hills that some philosophers throwing. Yeah, and it's it, it was pretty wild, <laughs> and it was all it was like old people too. You know, I think it's weird. You're just trying to assure me that it's not a cult, but everything you said, yeah, there was a philosophers there party. Was, but there's so many famous people there in terms of academia, people who are still publishing books. Yeah, people who have books on New York Times bestseller lists in terms of popular science or psychology. So these same people. You know, I won't name any names. It was a pretty wild party. I mean, people were doing, you know, they were experimenting with their consciousness for sure. <laughs> people were just going nuts. Yep. Uh, people were going out into the desert doing God knows what. Hey, man, I don't know if you know this, yeah. um, but you were in a cult. Yeah. <laughs> Very briefly, though. Very briefly. Isn't that how it always works out? Very briefly. I'm glad you got yeah. out. I did. We came back to Chicago and I was done with it. And yeah. after that, it all just kind of fell apart. So yeah. I don't know if this is boring stuff. No, I, it's not boring. You just I, told, I don't want to elongate the story. You just, elongate told, a, you story you just told a story about how you were in a cult. That's, well, that's the opposite your, of boring. That's, that's my interpretation. My interpretation, interpretation of it. Yeah, based on the facts and things you've told <laughs> me, I guess that is my interpretation. Um, so that was a weird experience. So, so your first project when you first started getting serious was a documentary. Yeah. Right. With no real plan, no idea. Did, did that to lead to anywhere? No. No. So you had to, did you so, complete it? Did you finish it? No, no. absolutely not. Okay. So <clears throat> I had this really, I, I, I had this horrible habit of never finishing anything. Yeah. And that was unfinishable because the way that I approached it, it's like the wrong way to approach a documentary. No story, no plan, no real support. So uh, I was like, okay. That didn't work. What did I learn? Let's try again. So I, I had come up with this idea. Now this is I was this is probably when I was about twenty four now. Okay. Like I said, about I'm I'm gonna be thirty eight. So what's that? Fourteen years ago. Yeah. And I was aware of having been an anime fan my whole life. I was aware of cosplay. Nerd. Yeah. A fucking nerd. Do people on this channel know that you're a massive anime fan? No. They because don't. that is not true. They don't know this? No. Are you going to bleep this out? I talk about anime every episode. Okay, good. (laughs) (laughs) Just making sure. Yeah. I don't want to be the only person getting crucified. No, you're not not surprising anyone right now. (laughs) Excellent. So I was a massive anime fan, and I was aware of cosplay, and this was... I mean, cosplay is super mainstream now. I would say it was much less mainstream 14 years ago. Yeah. And I thought, this would be a fascinating topic for a documentary. 
it's like, why do people do it? You know, how do they do it? Of course, but why do they do it? And I had read all this stuff because I had taken some anthropology courses and, and done a lot of very much an autodidact. So most things I know, I, I taught myself, right. including eventually filmmaking. So I'd read a lot of texts on anthropology and wanting to understand human nature and, and the human mind and, and the expression of culture and things like that. And I thought, OK, this will be fascinating with cosplay. It's like, you know, so many indigenous uh, populations wear a mask to channel a certain archetype or for certain ceremonial purposes or whatever. Yeah. And like I'm a like, cult. Exactly. So I've spent a lot of my time <laughs> doing dabbling in cults. <laughs> Arguably, cons are kind of cultish, too. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I decided um, I'm going to do a cosplay documentary. I don't know how, you know, just yet. And... I'm going to figure this out. There's going to be this like deeper meaning to everything. Why do people wear the mask? Why do they wear the costume? Why do they become these characters? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Is that what you experienced? Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> no. Not at all. You should have just gone with me to an anime convention and I was just like, I no, there's no deeper meaning. These people are trying to fuck. That, and that's, so this is, okay. So at the end, so I did this for two, it was either two, three or four years. I don't know. I, I focused exclusively. I was a waiter at night. And I'd take the weekends and I'd take any days off I needed to to work on this cosplay doc. Yeah. All my time, any free funds I had, anything I was working on this doc. And I had gotten paired up with, uh, I had a friend who actually ended up going to uh, Columbia for animation. And we kind of recrossed paths and he hooked me up with another kid that was a Columbia grad. And he was wanting to do a documentary on cons. And I convinced him, hey, let's co-direct and let's just focus on cosplay. Okay. And he said, cool. And so that was like two to four years. And guess what? That imploded too. So my buddy, <laughs> uh, not naming any names, one of the sweetest people I've ever met in my life. Yeah. What race, what race was he? Uh, he was half Filipino and half Polish. It was a very common Chicago combination, I feel like. Really? Yeah. I've never met a half Filipino, half Polish I've met person. a lot of half Filipino, half Polish. One of the sweetest guys I ever met in my life, but he had had in the past a psychotic breakdown, a mm -hmm. real 100% psychotic breakdown. And basically after, you know, knowing him for a couple of years, he went down that path again. Yeah. Never wanted to get help, never could get help, was still living at home in his 30s. You know, God forbid, he if he was ever to hear this, no... You were one of my best friends at the time. You know, it's like I, it was a wonderful guy. I really doubt he's listening to my podcast. I do too, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> he had a psychotic breakdown in the past, and he had one again to the extent of like his previous one. I remember him telling me he was on an L train going downtown, and the way that everybody just watching people on the train, how they would move, how they would whatever they would do, this was a language from God telling him mm. uh, different information, and he knew that it wasn't true. Right. And he almost wanted to stick with it, though. He didn't really want to get help because he said there was something almost like enticing or he said he almost felt powerful when he would lose it. Yeah. Like a superhero. So I remember when the last times I saw him, he was explaining to me the state of mind he was in, and he told me we were in his room and he looked at his computer and he said, for instance, I, I'm looking at a computer. I know it's a computer, but I see a doorway. And it was this level of just... Were you alone with him? Yes. That's terrifying. It, but he was never dangerous. That was the thing. You know, a lot of these... Uh, you, I mean, psychosis can be a very dangerous thing, but he was never yeah. dangerous. But that was pretty much... Uh, Everything had kind of been going downhill by then yeah. with the project. So, again, it was like there was no through line. Again, it was just kind of documenting life with these people. Right. There was no conflict. There was no real story. And he had gotten another friend involved who he kind of despised. And I grew to kind of despise, too. Yeah, why would you want to work with someone you don't <laughs> like? Well, I didn't realize it at first. Yeah. But this guy was a megalomaniac. He was a narcoleptic. So he would spontaneously fall asleep. And he would threaten to take 200 hours of footage we had in this cosplay doc and run away and sell it to Comedy Central. I don't know why Comedy Central, but that's what sure. he was going to do. But he would. we went to a con once. He was six hours late. He showed up with a truck, uh, like green, a green screen in it, like flats you would use in theater, painted green. Yeah. Went into a conference room in the uh, hotel that he had somehow gotten, built it, and then narcoleptically just fell asleep behind it for another six hours. Oh. And it was, I'm like, why do we even have a green screen? He's like, well, we're going to, you know, get this guy dressed as Yoshimitsu from Tekken and 
shoot them on green screen. And it's I'm like, what, what? Yeah. You know, what are we doing here? So there was all these kind of varying points of, uh, uh, varying opinions on what we were doing, what the point of this was, and too many cooks in the kitchen and too many crazy-ass people. And it, right. It sounded like involved. you wanted to have some kind of narrative documentary, <laughs> and he just wanted, like, a cosplay music video. That's what it he did. Like. My, the one that went crazy, my buddy, he pushed me and said, hey, man, we need a conflict. We need a story. Let's document people that are competing in one of these masquerades, okay. you know, cosplay competitions. And he was right. But I fought him at the time. Because I was like, oh, no, I'm a pure documentarian. We just document life. Well, that's never how it happens. No. Not even on planet Earth. They have an intent <laughs> when they go into nature and they stay there for two years until they get the footage they need to tell that, you know, two minute story about the beetle that, you know, climbs to the top of the dune. Right. And this harrowing story about yeah, it. And it's fascinating. You yeah. know, it's really emotional. But um, he was right and I was wrong, you know, and I, and uh, either way, we were in too deep. And things were spinning out of control. So we ended up with, it was either 200 or 400 hours of footage. And this Dear is back Lord. when it was all on tape and uh, no real plan. Yeah. And everybody was kind of losing their minds. And that was hard yeah. to watch that implode. I had met hundreds of people. I was the face of it. So I was forging relationships uh, yeah. with all these cosplayers, contacting them all. At one point, they got another guy on board who I, I fucking hate this guy. Yeah. He's, he, he's one of the guys that comes in. You're like, oh, this guy's really cool. He yeah. gets it. What race is he? Uh, he was... <laughs> he's white. He's of Polish descent, but yeah, he's okay. an American. Uh, he had reddish hair, very thin. Um, <clears throat> and he, he came in, and at first I'm like, oh, he gets it. Like, this guy gets my vision and everything. Well, he just saw an opportunity. Is that- That's a train. Oh, okay. We have a train outside. Yeah. Uh, he saw it as an opportunity to like get involved in something and take some of the credit. He ended up fucking one of the girls that was one of our subjects in the documentary. Wow. It was just a mess. The whole thing imploded. And that was like four years of my life yeah. down the drain. And I still, now I'm in my mid-20s, and I have nothing. I've been attempting, making attempts for like forever now. Not forever, but four yeah. years, five years, whatever. And I have nothing to show for it. So that was... Um, discouraging. That was discouraging. Yeah. Well, time. yeah. Four, four, four years of yeah. trying, and so nothing came from that. <clears throat> nothing came from it. So what happened after that? Uh, well, but to get back to the con thing, I thought I was going to find this like amazing ethnographic research at the cons, and you're right. It's just people trying to fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My what I learned. What I learned is that like uh, frat parties and anime cons are no different than one another. It's just people dress differently. <laughs> Seriously. Oh my god, that's bananas. <laughs> but true, they want to get fucked up and they want to fuck. And it, you know what? That that hurts. Yeah. Because I grew up loving anime. Yeah. And at a time when I mean, you were in anime for a long time, and I'm older than you. So when it was like, it wasn't easy to just come by anime. You had to work for it. You were really into right. it. Yeah, no, you had to find, it was like Slim Pickens back <laughs> in the day. Maybe they'd have like a couple cartoons on like Saturday morning. Yeah. But you had to buy, find the DVDs somewhere. somewhere I was obscure. buying bootleg fan sub tapes at comic stores. I was yeah. trading tapes internationally with people, fan subs, where I'd send them Princess Mononoke badly dubbed. Yeah. Not uh, badly like dubbed in terms of copied. It was subtitled, but you know what I mean? It was like... The image stuttered and it was yeah. really bad. And they would send me four episodes of uh, Yu Yu Hakusho or something like that. <laughs> and that was my life. And I remember when I was probably like uh, 11, getting a letter published in this magazine, Anime UK. It was like a British anime magazine. That was like the best thing that ever happened to me. So then when I'm in my <laughs> 20s, I finally get to an anime con. And I realized it's just a bunch of people. Basically, it's a huge frat party. But yeah. people are wearing costumes. And it was like... I have not changed my opinion of that, but I have uh, learned that there are, it, it's deeper than that. There are people go there for different reasons and you yeah. meet different people. It's not You're just, part of the frat party. It's not. That's the problem. You're part no, of what I hate. No, no. Yes, you are. No. I, well, maybe, but yeah. a lot of those you kids You walk are, between the worlds. A lot of, so. yeah, I'm a day walker. A lot of those uh, people are just trying to like be around other people who share similar <laughs> interests. A lot of them don't get to get out of their shell a whole lot. You know, so this is the time. This is part of the reason they freak out so much when they get there is like complete freedom to be weird. Yeah. And so it was like, well, let's just be as weird as we can and drink as much as we can and <laughs> bring that out. And then, yeah, like a lot of them have problems like uh, with the opposite sex. So it's like, you know, everyone kind of goes. Well, they're not having problems at ASUN. No. I mean, they're, <laughs> you know, definitely the first orgy experience for probably most anime fans. Is yeah. That. 
<clears throat> at conventions. So we saw a lot of weird shit. I ended up going to a furry convention as part of this, and yeah, that was bizarre. Um, but it was it was a it was interesting. Uh, so yeah, that that happened. The so the way that I got to do what I'm doing today, I was dating this girl while I was working on this documentary. We were living together, and we went to a Christmas party at her at her parents' house, and her all of her relatives were there, and she, we had a. It was right before the, the, the cosplay doc imploded. We had a DVD and it had like a little teaser trailer on it for the project. Yeah. You know, we didn't actually have a project or like an edited cut, but we had a right. little teaser. <clears throat> so I go to this party and she's like, hey, show everybody that uh, teaser trailer. And I'm like, no, I don't really know your family. Like, this is super right. weird. It's, it's cosplay people. You know what I mean? It's, I'm not ready to do that in this venue. Yeah. And she pressured me and she took it from me and she put it on. And it was, I was like sweating. I was so nervous. And her aunt's boyfriend was there and he had like a little marketing company. Mm-hmm. And this is now my current business partner. He saw it and he said, Hey, you know how to edit? And I said, No, <laughs> I don't. And he's like, Oh, okay. Cause I, I need an editor part. Like I occasionally do these little videos for like gas stations or right. roofers or. Small business stuff, and uh, occasionally we do it, and occasionally I need someone to cut the stuff, and I'm like, yeah, so I have a friend that knows, so my buddy that's the, that became psychotic, I was thinking of him, he needs to get a job, he needs to get out of the house, he's talented, so I pitched him. You're, and bad, you're a bad friend. Not a bad, <laughs> you're a bad friend to the people who are giving you opportunities, like, I can't do it, but here's a crazy yeah. person instead. That's <laughs> not a good trade. <laughs> well, John and I weren't friends yet, you know, so, <laughs> so like, I didn't know this guy. I'm like, this is her aunt's boyfriend. I don't care about this guy. When I first saw John, I hated him. I don't know why. It was like the way he looked, <laughs> the way he was interacting with people. I love him. He's like my brother. Now. Yeah, I love John. But when I first met him, I, and people usually meet him and they love him. I met him and I was like, who is this douche? Uh, but now he's like a brother to me, you know, I yeah. love him. But uh, I told him, no, I couldn't do it, and my, my buddy could, and my buddy never got in touch with him. So I Weird. said, screw this, I'll learn how to edit. So I taught myself Final Cut, uh, which was like the main editing program at that time, uh, in about two weeks. The, this was like, I mean, we had the internet, obviously, but there weren't the level of like tutorials. YouTube had just started, so I went to right. Borders, and I'd buy like these thick 600-page books with a, a CD in the back that had footage on it you could practice with. And in about two weeks, I taught myself how to edit because I think the basis of editing is super easy. And I called him and I said, look, I wasn't being completely truthful. Like I was trying to get my buddy a position with you, but I can edit and I'd love to come try. So that's kind of, you know, there's there's some fun stories with that. But that's kind of how him and I met. And then I think, you know, I would work for him once in a while because uh, he wasn't doing a lot of videos. But it's like YouTube started gaining traction. More and more people started doing videos for their businesses. Right. He would call me in, you know, so I was starting to be there twice a week, uh, calling off of work or getting people to take my shifts at the restaurant. And it got to a point and I was living with roommates who were insane. That's a whole nother thing. They claimed there was a spirit of a goat boy that lived in our house. And yep. You know, they were insane. You don't have normal um, friends. <clears throat> no, well, now I do. Now I do. But yeah, you think you're weird. It's like, this is a breath of fresh air for me. Now. The people <laughs> I have in my life, this is pure sanity now. <laughs> So John said, dude, you know what, let's just, you want to come, like, I'll help you find an apartment out here uh, in LaGrange area where we're at, and uh, let's partner up. We'll have, like, a separate little side business that's just video. He'll keep doing his marketing stuff. We'll have this just video thing. So I'm like, that's incredible, yeah. So I did that, and then about a year later, he stopped doing his other business, marketing websites, all this, because we saw a lot of promise in video, and then just it was just him and I, and we built it from there. You yeah. know? So that's... A lot of shit happened between then and now, um, but that's that's sort of how I'm at where I'm at now, which is owning a studio and um, you know and doing uh, corporate and commercial work and yeah, full time. Well, yeah, that's a, yeah, the, that's bananas <clears throat> to go from dropping out of high school and then now you co-own a studio. <laughs> yeah, but nothing. I've been reading the because uh, I've been very into to the Hamilton musical through uh, my girlfriend and our niece and like. I've been reading his biography, which is 800 page, over 800 pages, which is, it's a hike, man. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, but it's like, that's a lot of book. For Hamilton has a book? Well, the, the whole musical is based on a, 
on a biography. Oh, okay. That was the the genesis of it. Yeah. That the Lin Manuel who created it read this biography on a vacation and was like, "Whoa, this is the super interesting guy that nobody knows anything about anymore." Yeah. And let's make a hip hop musical about him. You know, I've always wanted to check out Hamilton. <clears throat> TJ keeps saying it sucks and that I shouldn't. No, bother he doesn't. With it. That's a lie. TJ like, is really trying to. I'm get really you interested in it. in it, but he's like, "No, don't bother." It's yeah, like, it's garbage. Well, I was oh. very skeptical, but yeah. that was a whole other thing because the girl I used to date was an actress. Only girl that's broken my heart. And uh, when Hamilton first came out, she was very, very into it. So I associated it with her. And it took me time to get past oh, yeah. that association. Yeah, I'll avoid things that my ex liked. Exactly. Yeah, because yeah, right. fuck them. Exactly. <laughs> fuck them. So now I'm reading the book and I realized, you know, in what was it? Six years he went from being a 14-year-old like clerk in the Caribbean, dead-end life to being the uh the the most confided in aid of the, the most significant american at the time which was george washington it's like you know yeah i i dropped out of high school and i have a company now but <laughs> you look at that and you're like holy yeah, shit Yeah, but that's you're comparing yourself to me <laughs> but i always do <laughs> that ridiculous. you know you always the mark is so much higher a buddy of mine well you know steve he did a comic he he drew a comic yeah um he's an artist and he told me that when he went to draw the comic, even though it being his first comic in an indie comic, he said, I, my goal is to make something that can sit on the shelf next to Alex Ross, uh, Fiona Staples, whoever you think is a great comics artist. That is of the quality that it can, it's, can sit next to it. And everything I've ever done, it was this, it's, that's the mindset. And yeah. I don't know you. What do you feel when you're going to write a song or, or tell a joke? It's like, aren't you competing against... You're not competing against your peers, right? You're competing against the people you wish you were as good as, don't you? Uh, yeah, mostly I'm competing against the last thing that I did. So, you're so I'm trying to. I'm always trying to <clears throat> do better than I did before, and if it's not, I'm just like I don't know. I lose interest immediately if it's already seeming like something kind of like typical. Yeah, I don't want to. Well, do that it. makes sense. But for me, I think I'm always competing against my, you know, the people that inspire me. Yeah, and. Uh, you know, right now it's Hamilton or whatever it is, you know, whoever right. it is. And you look at that and it's like, I think about that every day. I have so much further I want to go. So many, so many things I want to do. That's why the moniker of filmmaker, I always kind of chafe at that. Like, uh, people always say, oh, filmmaker. And it's like, I'm very grateful to carry that title because that's what I always wanted, right. you know, growing up. But, uh, but as you've grown, you've also <clears> wanted <throat> to be considered a writer. Is that what you're trying to yeah, say? Yeah, whatever. Just an artist, you know. Artist and it period. sounds pretentious, but that's kind of the... Uh, it sounds pretentious, but it's true. It's just like, I just, I'm a storytelling artist, right? So it's right now I do a lot of writing and I have some film projects in, in the works. I pitched a project to you earlier. That's like, right. Different. Yeah. It's a porno. It was the first porno that you've ever, I'll always say that if you directed a porno, it'd probably be like the best porno of all time. I don't know. I, it Maybe. Would, it would be crazy. There'd but be, you have to think what's good about porn. It's not... It's the story. It's uh, no, universally see, it's the story. Because <laughs> they'll do like, you know, Poon Ritz of the Caribbean or something like right, that. Right, yeah. And, it, and, and some of these porns, because I worked in this DVD store. Yeah. And the whole, the, 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 the premise of the store was really porn. You know, we had, the front of the store was all kinds of specialty foreign anime, music, DVDs and stuff. The way it stayed open was a, a robust porn section. Really? So it's like a beaded, the beaded section behind... Yeah, it went to the. It was one out. room with the saloon doors you go through. Right. You know that's how porn sections were, and it got so damn popular that the owner had to move out of his office and convert his office into porn the secondary room, porn two. room. Yeah. Oh my god! So I, I was, and then when I became assistant manager there, I was put in charge of the porn. Yeah. I was checking in all the porn. I was ordering, you know, helping with ordering porn. So I was really... See porn, one more motherfucking Porn, time. porn, porn. <laughs> <laughs> so I got very uh, well-versed in porn. I like how this podcast started as like a story of a rise to power. And then that's just you <laughs> saying porn nine times yeah, in a row. That was one of the stepping stones, you know. That was the porn stone. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they made, you know, they've always made these like really high production value porns. Yeah. Who wants that? You know, if I'm thinking of if I was if if I was gonna watch porn, which yeah. I never have. Uh, <laughs> this is this microphone's also a lie detector. <clears throat> if I think what is intriguing is seeing people that look real. Yeah. You know, because you think you kind of like that's part of the fantasy is like, wow, that looks like a girl that I might have a chance with or a guy, depending on your persuasion. And it doesn't have to be like well shot or anything. I think it's that fantasy of being, you know, the the reality of. 
that that sort of grazing reality there that like maybe I could actually succeed with betting this individual. Yeah. I feel like really, really people get away from like the super like makeup airbrushed kind Who, of no thing. One really, I don't think anybody really wants that. Uh, back in the day they did. I, I mean know. 70s stuff was like super airbrushed. It was like a, a layer of Vaseline on the screen that made it kind of blurry. <laughs> I know? remember the first time I saw porn I was going through my grandpa's You just said that you didn't never room. watch porn. Oops. Fucking liar. Damn it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but you're, so you're going through it. <laughs> well, I didn't watch it. I just, <laughs> you, just you know. held it. I was like, what is this? Yeah. I was going through my grandpa's room trying to find porn because he had a Playboy stash and I knew where his Playboys were. And I, when him and my grandma were eating, I would sneak in there and I'd take a Playboy, keep it in my room. It was like a library. I'd keep it in my room for like two days and then return. having dinner two days later, I'd return and I'd take a different one. Very then I got very view. bold. Yeah. Now I'm taking two issues. You're a madman. Yeah, I am. I'm losing control. (laughs) (laughs) You know, then I'm taking three issues, right? So eventually I go in his little Playboy cabinet, and there's a legal pad there, and it just has written on it, Craig, you're not supposed to be in here. Oh, shit. Then I got mad. And then I started going, is this even right? Like, isn't this objectifying women? Should I be looking at porn? So then I I waged this campaign of destroying his Playboy collection. So once a week, I would steal a Playboy. I would go to the very furthest reaches of our backyard and drop it in a sewer grate. And I was slowly (laughs) going to destroy his Playboy. Because I decided, you know, this is just wrong all around. I was probably really just upset that he called me out. Right, yeah. But anyway, I, I found a tape once, and I put it in, and it was a girl. It was the 70s. Nice. It wasn't the 70s because yeah. I, wasn't, I wasn't alive, but it was a girl, can we say, masturbating on yeah. this show. Yeah, yeah. She was masturbating. Of course, they have very robust bushes. Yeah. This is the least we said that word. On, <laughs> this okay, <one>. good. <laughs> and all I could think, because I was so young, I'm like, why is that girl's crotch so itchy? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and uh, that was my first experience with porn was just confusion. Right. Pure well, confusion. I mean, when you first see something, it takes a while to understand, especially if you don't know the... The motive behind yeah. what's happening. I don't know why we're so hung up on this stuff, though. Why? You know, as a society, yeah, because it, it didn't warp me. It didn't warp my relationship with women. You know, or no, any, it does, anything of that nature. It does so f- for some people, but I think it's like a case by case basis. <clears throat> Everyone has uh, different like temperaments to certain things, certain like levels of addiction to certain things. Like, you know, how word is you don't have a problem with like. I don't know, meat, because you're a vegetarian. Right, no problem with meat. I exclusively eat meat. Like, I won't even look at a vegetable. So, and I'll never, I haven't eaten a fruit in like 30 years. So, sounds like my niece. Probably going to be the first person (laughs) this century to get scurvy. (laughs) That's Um, impressive. Have you ever listened to my podcast before? Mm -mm. That's good. Uh, I like it. You just, you answered truthfully right away. A lot of people are like, "Ah," you don't have to listen to it. Uh, This is a segment I do. It's called, you ever delved into it? If it makes you feel like I don't listen to podcasts. Yeah, that's fine. You don't need to. So, I mean, that's Uh, the main reason. All podcasts are stupid. Uh, So, (laughs) for this segment, um, I always do at the end of the episode, it's, uh, you ever delved into misconnections? No. Oh, no. On Craigslist? You know what I'm talking about? No. Yeah, I know what you're talking about, but I haven't spent much time on it. These are pretty weird. These are a little bit more tame than what I'm used to. That's unfortunate. Uh, I I know. So this one is called Linda Bach. It's in Schomburg. Okay. What does that mean? That's her name? Linda Bach. Yeah. She's using her... He said her name. I think it's he. How does he know her name? Uh, I think he know. Yeah, I think he knows her. Just, well, <laughs> I thought this was a misconnection. This How is a if misconnection. He knows her. Uh, well, that's. What, let me get right, into the. Explain bio. it to me. <laughs> Stop before withholding you, information. You, just before explain you it to me. Do your detective work. Uh, Linda Bach in Schomburg. I'm searching for Linda Bach. If you know her or are a reasonable facility or facsimile, 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 facsimile. So if you look like her, yeah, please respond. Thank you for your time. It's good enough just to look like. Her. Yeah, that's why I picked There's that one. There's a story there. It I was think. a pretty tame. Like he just wants. Uh, he has a type. Yeah. And it's a Linda Bach. <laughs> Does he also realize there's probably, you know, 500 women in the United States named Linda Bach? Yeah. The other thing is he doesn't describe her. So, like, all this information is useless unless you specifically know Linda Bach. So they have to know her and know that they look like her. Look like her and then also be interested, you know, and then also find it on, on Craigslist. Do you think any of this is uh, just, like, people entertaining themselves? I, I'm sure some of it is, but I, a lot of it I know. Do you think this is a sincere request? This is a sincere one, and I only say How that because that? it's fucking crazy. Okay, <laughs> like it's not even funny. It's just like, and he uses facsimile. I so, like that about him, though. Yeah, well, you I mean, know? he's you know he's got a big vocabulary, bigger than mine. So yeah. he's a real catch, Linda Black, or anyone who looks <laughs> like her. Uh, this next one's called "Older Lady I've Met on Halsted." You drove me home last night. I'd like to show my appreciation in bed, if you know what I mean. Bernice's Tavern in Halsted. I'm into older women. Hit me up if you're down. 
Um, the thing that stood out to me was that he said, show you my appreciation in bed, and then, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. I, what What's you, classy? What do you think he means? <laughs> well, I, this is taking me back to that first porno. I'm really not sure. I was very <laughs> confused. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> as a writer, I would cut that second part out. Right? Wouldn't you? Well, yeah, there's something that's called the economy of language. Right. You know, it's unnecessary. It's unnecessary. Right. I but wait, it, what's the... Show you my appreciation in bed. Like, is there a, a painting that he did of her? <laughs> like, I think we all know what you wait, mean. Wait, what's the place? He's, he names a place? Uh, yeah, Bernice's Tavern. Does that's that mean he'll just be there every night until... You know what? These guys are creepy enough to where I'm like, 100%, yeah, he's there right now waiting for yeah. her. He should have made him, you know, he should have said something earlier when he was in the car with her. Right, because <laughs> right. who goes on here? Do people actually go on? Is the thought process that we both feel it's a misconnection? So, man, I should check Craigslist misconnections because that maybe that person also thought it was a misconnection. I think it's a lot of twisted like uh, optimism. Mm-hmm. Are there any success stories? Have you ever heard any? That's success what I've always wondered. I haven't heard of any success stories yet, but that I've been could doing, be a documentary. If I do this long enough, I might feel like I find. I've also been playing with the idea of messaging some of these people. And you should invite him on the show. No, I will not do that. I, I want to bring him to your house. I want to live to do the next. No, I'll do it here in the studio. If that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Hang out with Linda. Bach. Oh, we have security. I, I have Linda Bach here, and uh, so that one was weird. Uh, this one's called Hooters Waitress. Hooters Waitress. Mm. I was eating alone at Hooters <clears throat> today for lunch. That's very sad. Yep. You are my waitress. You are a beautiful woman with a desirable body. We'd like to chat outside of work and see where things go. Now that just described. Everyone who works at Hooters that isn't in the kitchen, right? No. Right? No. For the most part. When was the last time you had Hooters? Uh, it's been a long time. I don't, I was, I don't go to places like that because yeah, I'm well, not. I generally don't really, either. But most of the women at Hooters aren't spectacular. Yeah. Personal opinion. And they put them in these <laughs> You saved yourself there. Yeah. <laughs> we were about to get a bunch of emails. Uh, that's fine. <laughs> Prove it. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> they put it, and the outfits aren't attractive either. They put like those sheer leggings. Yeah, on I don't know. That's like, that's like the stuff bright right, straight from the 70s. Like they never like really grew out of, the uniform's been the same. They don't forever. get it. Every woman there should have teased hair the way that they dress them up, you know? <laughs> right. It's really bad. Um, but how did, he might not have been the only guy that was eating alone that listen, day. That's a, that's a story that describes like most of the men that go there, most of the women that go there. Listen, women love it too. And then he didn't Not even describe the woman. He's just like any, basically any woman that. Works. Do you think he's just? Maybe he never went to Hooters. He's just trying to cast a very wide net, or or a very specific wide net because it's like only if you work at Hooters. Yeah, well, he figures you know if you work at Hooters, you're on the floor. Like your assumption, you're damn good looking. <laughs> so he just puts this thing out there. He never even went in Hooters. No, he's looking for Hooters type. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Linda Bach. <laughs> this next one's called "In Search of Help." A 39-year-old man in search of an experience, still a virgin, and don't have any leads, looking for a woman who could help out, preferable younger or slightly mm. older and willing to host. What about the same age? Is that uh, I guess that's out of the fucking that's question. Out of the question. If you are exactly 39 years old, you can fuck off. There's no misconnection, though. That's just a plea for... <laughs> Literally know. a plea for help. He's like, please help. De-virginize me. A 39-year-old virgin. Ugh, that was... That was weird. And then, yeah, just any woman, younger or slightly, <laughs> preferably younger, but also slightly older. It seems like there's so many other ways. Also willing to host, which means that they have to have a place of their own. He's asking quite Oh, he's a, asking them to host? For a guy, yeah. For a guy who's a virgin, um, he's asking a, kind of a lot of some lady who's yeah. already trying to help her out. Well, you think he'd want to host so he can kill them in secret, you know what I mean? <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. It's strange. Yeah. Basically, he's asking, do you want to get killed at your house? Hit me up. I'm 39. Uh, this next one is called Flute Player Looking. Okay. Right? Uh, looking for an older flute to play regularly. Wait, well, is this male or female? Uh, it doesn't say. And is flute refer to a penis? Uh, I don't know. Okay, uh, it says, keep going. Looking for an older flute to play regularly, or you can play mine, I can travel. So I think this is really embarrassing for this guy. He's a musician. And, uh, <laughs> wait, this is, he's on the wrong, you're on the wrong side, dude. This uh, is, this is for misconnections. You're looking for bandmates. I'm very confused. No, you're not confused. This guy's definitely looking for a dick. Okay. Looking for an older. Understandable. <laughs> to play regular. I just thought the one that I'm not kink shaming, this is consensual, like whatever. Yeah. My thing is the, uh, the analogy he used. The like, flute? Yeah. The, as a flute, looking for an older flute to play. Huh? Really? Is I that, think you just kink shame him. Is it? Uh, I mean, of all the instruments, is flute one of the sexier ones? Oh, I think it's the one that 
What are you going to say, an oboe? That might be more accurate. Yeah, an oboe. Well, who wants something super long and skinny, but it's like super the flute, skinny? flute, yeah. Oboe has a little more girth to right, it. Right, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, if you're going to use a euphemism, at least use yeah, one that's like that's a, all I can think enticing of to someone else. Yeah. yeah, no one wants or a super long, skinny wiener. Pool noodles uh, or something. So good luck with that flute looking. This next one's actually a sequel to one I did last episode. Huh. Uh, this one's on Home Depot slash Target Lake Zurich. Um, and it's basically the same message as the last mm. one, except he added Home Depot to this one. Okay. But before it just said Target. Uh, wow, just wow. Love all the ladies shopping daytime here. Sometimes on my days off, I just walk around Home Depot and Target to see all of the beautiful women shopping around there. <clears throat> Maybe one day I'll have the guts to strike up a convo with one of you. So and you he, thought Hooters was the place to go for this guy. You know, it's odd. I see a lot of uh, misconnections involving Home Depot. Almost. You know what's odd? I often see Hooters across the street from Home Depot. <laughs> <laughs> but I think about it, countryside. Yeah. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah you're right. There's some connection. So this is in Lake Zurich. Uh, so if you're out there now, Target is not safe, but also Home Depot. Yeah. This guy he posted like a week ago. Just saying he was at Target looking at beautiful women. How many people post per day on this? Post per day? Yeah. I'd say anywhere, like around 20. On misconnections, 20, 20 new posts a day. Because I check it almost every day. <laughs> yeah. And so, and sometimes I have to wait because some of them are just like normal. Yeah. Except, you know, I only pick the ones that are like either really, you know, monstrous, like yeah. scary men or ones with like weird words in it, like the flute one. Oh, I thought you were going to say facsimile. <laughs> no, no. I just didn't know how to pronounce that word. I went to one semester of community college. Uh, <laughs> I thought that was the next misconnection. No, 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 no. That's uh, yeah, that's gotcha. mine. I went to one yeah, semester we're in of community the same college. Boat there. I uh, run a podcast. Would you please come on it? Uh, if you look like Linda Bach, <laughs> I think you should put a misconnection. I'm just gonna start messaging these people back. Put a misconnection on, and then anyone who replies, podcast. All right, guest. I like that. But like a group. Maybe a group setting, you know, so if 12 girls reply to you and these 12 girls and it's some sort of like workshop. <laughs> I don't this sounds, know. This sounds <laughs> I'm going to end up on the wrong side of history. Uh, I'm going to actually ask you a question that uh, TJ asked me in the last episode. Um, if you had anything to say to your younger self, if you could, mm-hmm. what do you think you would say? Mm. I don't know if I like questions like that. Really? But yeah, that's difficult. I... One thing I think I kept... Let's say career-wise. Let's just limit it to career-wise. Well, no, I don't think it'd be career-wise. Well, no, I don't think it would. Because I don't think my younger self, you wouldn't be able to convince him to get his shit together any sooner. Right. But I think the biggest regret, one of the biggest regrets I have that I'd be responsible for, to some extent, is I would say, like, don't take it so seriously. I talked to a lot of people about this. I had a horrible high school experience. Yeah. And a huge part of that was just me taking everything so seriously, being insecure all the time, you know, worried about, I, I didn't even wear my glasses in high school. So literally high school is literally a blur. <laughs> but honestly, I was too vain. I was too vain to wear my glasses. I like, I failed out of gym because I had long hair. I wouldn't go in the pool yeah. and ruin my hair for the day. Right. You know what I mean? So I think a big, just don't take it so seriously. Yeah. That's honestly, so just enjoy it. That's, know, that's what I said about it. myself was like, stop trying so hard. <laughs> was like yeah. similar ilk to that. That's a hard question. It is hard. He answer. put me on the spot. And then I also said, don't buy so many swords because you're just going to lose them. How many swords do you have? I had like six or seven. Really? Yeah. You didn't tell me that. I just got, you were with me when I got my first sword. I know. That's what made me think of it. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. But then I also uh, amended it to, or, or keep better track of them because I would still like them. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah. What kind of swords did you have? I had one. Uh, the only one I remember is called the Twin Serpent Master. <laughs> It was a two-handed, like, medieval sword, and the hilt was, like, snakes. Oh, I don't like that. Uh, I, I was like, dude, this thing is fucking <clears> awesome. <throat> wow, I wish you still had this. We could use them <laughs> in <laughs> music videos and stuff. Oh, man. Uh, do you have anything to plug, by the way? you any projects coming up? <clears throat> um, I mean, there's a lot of things that I'm working on. Yeah. But... The last thing I did was very strange. It's a reggaeton music video, not a genre I usually yeah. work within. Um, I actually watched that. That was really good. <laughs> you did watch it. And not my style yeah. of music, but the the artist was really adamant with work, working with me on it, which was really strange to me uh, because I, was, I told him, I'm not going to do your standard video. Because he came to me and said, hey... 
Uh, I'm thinking like we'll get an expensive house for a day off Airbnb. We'll get an attractive girl and we'll get an expensive car. Yeah. And we'll just shoot scenes around these. And I said, no, nah, it's not going to happen. Like, that can happen. Right, it's that, not, that not going to happen with me. That's that just sounds not what so I do. boring. Yeah. Your, your right. end product that you showed me was way better. <laughs> but there's concept. elements of that in a sense still in it. Yeah, you compromise with him. That's nice. Yeah. yeah. But he, and he turned out to be, an, he was actually a really nice guy. Uh, we'll probably do another video together soon. So that's going to come out. Uh, I've been working on a graphic novel for a long time that'll come out at some point. I have a couple ideas for film projects that I'm not ready to. Right. Shed too much light on you and I talked about something totally different earlier right. that maybe would take a year or two or yeah. more, yeah. and maybe we'll do that. Um, <clears throat> the one thing I didn't tell you was I started writing a fantasy novel. Oh, cool. And I got 40 pages in. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, it's like an immense amount of, of words. And I got sidetracked because work and other projects, and it sucked. I was writing two hours a night. I was so proud of myself. Yeah. But when I picked that back up, you know, I intend to, in the near future, have... Uh, my first first draft of my first novel done. Right. So I was very proud of that. That's like the biggest achievement in a long time. Do you have a name and, for it yet? Uh, well, right now it's called She Always Gets Her Man. Okay. There's kind of a little bit of a Western influence to it, but yeah. it's kind of coded, kind of cloaked. The world isn't super Western-like, but some of the mentality of some of the characters has okay. a bit of that. Um, it's hopefully interesting. And I'm... I, want to do short stories. Uh, I have a lot of short story ideas, so I've started to work on some short stories and stuff. And I think that's kind of all that I have going on right okay. now. Well, it sounds like a lot, and uh, so I, we'll keep an eye out for that. Yeah. I'll, keep I'll probably plug your stuff. I might be involved in a lot of it. So. Yeah. And I mean, they, so motionsource.com is professional website, but that's, like I said, mostly corporate and commercial. Uh, but anyone who's interested in anything like that or seeing that work, and then I have my personal site, which is Craig Bass Film. I think dot com. I haven't updated it in ages, <laughs> but you are the the header. Is, oh, my picture of me. Well, it's a, it's a video. It starts with uh, probably my favorite clip from my favorite video we did together, the oh, Macbeth themed one. That so, was really fun. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that has some of the music videos and stuff. If people are interested, yeah, definitely uh, check that out. He yeah. does great work. Uh, he's done like a hundred percent of the music videos I've done and that I've never true. done <laughs> <laughs> otherwise. Uh, and he's a really nice guy, Craig. Thank you. So yeah, much it was for coming fun, on. I really appreciate it. I uh, I got uh, a show at the end of the month at uh, Shots and Giggles. I'm hosting. It's uh, September 28th. Uh, we got a, a crazy good lineup, so please come out. Uh, once again, if you have any questions or comments, send it to We Are the Strange Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, and uh, no one does it, but I'll get to it if you do. Uh, and I'll see you next week. Thank you.